Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, and... uh, God, the clock is ticking. Uh, the Master Sommelier exam is next month, July 22nd in Dallas. And uh, God willing, I'll help out the ball club and uh, pursue this dream of mine, that gold pin about um, mastering a craft that is about hospitality, uh, guest satisfaction, and uh, mentoring and training, all about beverages and uh, service in the world. And I'm super pleased and honored and humbled to uh, participate in that fashion. Uh, it's going to be a very difficult test, but um, I've only had, I don't know, 50 years to get ready <laughs> from the baby bottle. Uh, how do you serve a baby bottle? I don't think that's on the test, but um, how do you serve a beer? Well, you serve a beer in a clean glass with uh, a little bit of foam, uh, a little bit of head to help uh, aerate those aromas. And here to talk about some of those great beers and some of the new vessels that are available this summer, it is summertime, is Brad Benson, the uh, head brewer and co-founder, director of brewing operations for Stoop Brewing in Ballard. Hey, Brad, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you, Chris. Good to have you. Let's talk about you. Uh, We are kind of a kindred folk. Uh, Did you grow up in Washington? I was born uh, in Iowa, but moved to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho when I was about 9 or 10. Ended up uh, going to school at Gonzaga, and then after that, uh, followed my girlfriend to Seattle, to the big city. Oh, boy. Um, so what county in Iowa? Uh, Dickinson, North Central, right about Lake Okaboji. Oh, I had a sweetheart once, and she's from Iowa. I went there. 99 counties in Iowa. And <laughs> I did not know. <laughs> yeah, about that. Did they have a maid right? I don't know. That was a hamburger joint that, you know, was, I got a T-shirt and they, it's all crumbled and anyway. Oh, I just remember the Hudson's hamburgers in, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. That's, oh, okay. That's the pinnacle of hamburgers. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, so Gonzaga is a very small school. Were you drinking beer in Gonzaga? Uh, yes. Officially, yes. no. It was a dry campus. I did not I swallow. It, it happened from time to time. <laughs> So fun. Uh, you followed your girlfriend here. Is that still going on? Uh, no, that didn't work out. But uh, luckily, uh, my wife was uh, my next girlfriend, and she's uh-huh. in the business with me. All right. Good for you. Uh, let's talk about Stoop. Uh, this is over in Ballard. Uh, where exactly are you located? So we're on the east side of Ballard. We're on 11th and 52nd. So if you go over the Ballard Bridge, head north into Ballard, you take a ride at the Bardall oil plant, which is kind of an icon of, yeah, of yeah. Ballard. Take it right there, go down two blocks, and you'll see our beer garden and tap room. Okay, and uh, you got a cool event space, as I recall, right? Yeah, we just got it up and running a little over a year ago, and the nice thing we did was it's 21 and older and no dogs, so the rest of the beer garden and the tap room, kids, dogs, is kind of a family-friendly place, but we have some customers that say... You know, I kind of want to get away from my family and my dog for a couple hours and go have a beer. <laughs> so we kind of have that spot, but also it's uh, we rent it out as an event space. Sure, it's been really popular. You direct them over to Fremont, which is just down the street. Oh yeah, Fremont's our friends. I mean, it's the brewing community is great. There's so many great brewers, and we all help each other out. Yeah, and um, you know, we all y'all make tasty stuff. It's uh, it's good beer. Were you a home brewer by chance? Yeah, I started home brewing a long time ago. I right? know. I started 1993, I think it was. Got you beat by two years. You 91. Do. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And we were trying to get what? High test, right? <laughs> I was trying to create a craft and perfect it. 
<laughs> it only took you 20 years. 20, yeah, 20, yeah. 30. That's cool. Um, but I remember the beers. We had a lot of fun, and it's just experimenting. And to think, you know, you you'd bottle your own, you put your caps on them, and you maybe make a label if you're, you're you know, technically savvy at that point, using Adobe 1.0 yep. or PageMaker or something. Um, and it, it was great. The only thing is that you, we, I put on like 20 pounds because I was making high-test beers, and you have to drink them all before you could bottle your next one. It's an occupational hazard for sure. It was. and uh, um, But it was a fun time. And uh, I realized that um, after my beer, everyone else is making beer, so it's easier to go out and have a couple beers. And um, craft brewing really exploded here in Washington. We've got, some, of course, some forefathers, the Red Hook Brewing, um, Pyramid, Hales. Uh, yeah, Hales is down here on Leary Way, yep. too, right? So just to remember those three, um, of course, the history in beer making in the Pacific Northwest is 100 years old. Oh, yeah. It's it's rich. It's I mean, it makes sense because this is where most of the hops come from. So there's been a lot Good of that point. inspiration of, you know, you drive through Yakima on the hop fields and see what's going on. You're like, what is all that for? Like, oh, it's for making beer. Wow. Yeah, and uh, Ken Burns has that great documentary about Prohibition and about and, and they talk about beer. And, and uh, there's a book out there uh, I had on the show a couple years ago about the history of brewing in the Pacific Northwest. And um, what's interesting is that they all go through, it's kind of a boom and bust. They, you know... They all seem to burn down at some point. I don't know if that was arson back in the day from competitive uh, concern. But um, So Stoop Brewing is how old? Uh, we opened 2013, so we'll be six years old this October. All right. Do you guys do a big Oktoberfest or something like that? We we have been doing it. We've also been doing a joint Oktoberfest with uh, four other breweries in the neighborhood. And uh, we have like an oompa Ba band that will play at all four or five breweries. And oh, yeah. come around and we do we all do a limited release, like a Maybach or, or some German themed beer that time. Do you wear Lederhosen? I do not. No, you're not. <laughs> you okay, you go. <laughs> oh, natural. Now, I understand the best thing about Battle these days is that you can actually camp on the sidewalk. Is that right? There is a lot of camping on the sidewalk. I don't know if that's the best thing about Ballard right now. I'd like to think of the breweries and the old school well, Norwegian know, community, but uh, yeah, for sure the the Lefska, the, whatever that bread is. Um, uh, well, I know that uh, there is a a lot of population down there that are hanging out, and uh, that's that's a tough deal for uh, our community and and trying to make people better. Um, Stoop Brewing is is a a, a family run organization, right? That's right. You and your wife participate? Yep, and we have another business partner, uh, Robin Schumacher. So three of us are the owners operators. Excellent. How many people do you employ? We probably have about 12 full-time, and then the taproom staff, uh, most of them are part-time, but we've been really lucky to have people that really stick around for a long time, which has been awesome. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's it's so cool to have. It's both industrial yet uh, residential. You, I mean, you've got that couple streets of industrial stuff, some warehouses, some uh, uh, breweries, of course, the Bardall plant. Uh, and then you've got uh, the residentials just down the street, a couple parks. Um, it's, it's a very familial area that you can feel pretty much safe walking in these days. What are your hours down there for the brew pub? Uh, we're open Monday through Thursday, 3 till 9, and then Friday noon to 10, Saturday noon to 10, and then Sunday uh, noon to 9. All right. So I'm speaking with Brad Benson, who is the uh, Director of Brewing Operations, which is a huge title. Congratulations on that. <laughs> that, that title's for the bank. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Head brewer. Um, what was the first beer you brewed at Stoop? Uh, the first one we do- did was uh, Session, an India Session Ale, so lower ABV, um, lower but, alcohol, bitter beer. But Okay, so higher hops, lower alcohol. Yep, exactly. And is, so when you say higher hops, that was dry hop, right? Because India Pale, you, you, you boil the hops in the word to get that bitterness? Yeah, and the, those type of beers, we'll use the hops through the whole process. Boiling, whirlpool once we're stopped, done boiling, but the wort's still hot, and then also dry hopping. Interesting. Did you... Uh, 
as a home brewer, you probably had a lot of recipes. How many homebrew batches did you make, you think? <sighs> Hundreds. Yeah. I mean, over. I, I did, did about 50. <laughs> Well, I got kicked out of the kitchen by my wife for making messes, and had, then had to scale up and move into the garage, and then at that point, there was nowhere to go but pro. Right. Well, good for you. Um, and, but we, we started playing with the addition of hops early, whether it was like back in the, I think we had what, Hollow Tower, Chinook, Kent Golding, and um, something else back in those hops. So we'd use Chinook hops for bittering, Kent Golding for aroma or something, and then a little Hollow Tower for bittering as well. But we added the hops at different spots because we were just like learning. Did you take some of those? Did you have an idea about your first beer when you said you want to do a session pale? Definitely, and we wanted to do something that was a, a bit a bit throwback to the Northwest. So there's a lot of Cascade hops in it, which is a good aroma. Oh, that's hop. the other one, yeah, Cascade. Um, and also, new breweries sometimes have a hard time getting their hands on the new exciting hops because they're really allocated. People are um, doing contracts and buying them ahead of time. There's none left for the small brewer. <laughs> we have money to show around. Uh, so fun. Well, you brought some beers. All this talk's getting me thirsty. Um, you have, uh, first of all, you can get beer at the tasting room. Is that on tap, right? Can you do tastings? Can you do pints? Can you do growlers? Yep. Uh, you can do uh, pints or tasters in the tasting room. In the beer garden, uh, you can take beer to go, either crawlers or growlers. Uh, and then we, we're in probably 400 counts around wow. King County, so we have beer on draft in a, in a bunch of places. But not a lot of bottling on our part, so you won't really see us in the grocery store at this sure. point. Sure, uh, which keeps your beer fresh, of course, um, uh, right out of the tap. And is, does it have to be an approved vehicle? Can I bring in a gas can to fill up if <laughs> I want to? Legally, it has to have a mark. We can actually fill any size, but it has to have a gradient so we know what size it is. But, oh, I see. But we usually don't try not to do mason jars and things like that. We like right. to bring in. We'll fill anyone's growler. You bring in a Fremont growler, we'll we'll fill it oh, up. Yeah. That's fine. Um, but we'd rather it's a growler and a kind of a set container design for beer. Okay. Well, I, I'm trying to figure out what's the volume of a Boda bag. They have to come in different sizes, right? I think, right, because I was in a somebody's uh, stomach, a sheep's stomach or something in the back of the day. Depends on the size of the sheep. That's right. It would. Uh, well, let's let's crack a beer open. You brought uh, four beers, right? Right. Okay, yes. cool. And um, I love this giant industrial can. It makes me think of something out of the Avengers almost, uh, something Hulk might drink or uh, what was his name? The bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> What's that called? That's called a... A crawler. So it's like a growler, but it's a can. And you actually get a seamer uh, machine that actually puts the lid on, on the shell of the can. And it's almost resealable. It's not resealable. <laughs> no, almost. once you open it, you're committed. You're committed. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, let's see if I can commit myself to uh, this particular beer. Which one are you going to pour? Uh, we're going to start with the German-style Pilsner. Oh, yes. So I think it's a good one to start at. It's uh, all German Pilsner malt. And uh, German uh, Halltau Milfru hops. All right. So uh, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and my great grandmother was uh, from Alsace-Lorraine, so very German. So I grew up. Uh, in fact, when I was 18, I went back. Um, yeah, no, no, we'll get the next one. You'll get practice on that, getting those radio effects. Um, but I went back to Miller Brewing and had a great time. And, and Miller was really the first beer I ever got a buzz on. <laughs> which means the first beer I ever drank uh, at early age. Of course, you know, you have those genes, which is good. Um, but it certainly wasn't a German beer, and I always found myself liking the the more uh, uh, complexity of some of those uh, imports. Yeah, some of those mass-produced beers, um, you really end up with a lot of adjuncts, rice and corn and things like that, which definitely pull the malt quality out. It dilutes some of that malt flavor. Right. It makes it highly drinkable. Um, but doesn't make it as, as interesting. Yeah, Miller uses corn, if I recall. Budweiser uses rice, and I don't know what Pabst uses, but um, 
Uh, wow, I took a sip of this. Now, this is truly authentic German flavor. You've got, um, uh, it's, it's, I want to call this like a, there's a snap flavor to it. It's just, it really snaps because uh, it's crisp. Uh, and how do you describe that flavor here, what we're getting? Yeah, I like to, <clears throat> I mean, when we make a beer like this, I like to like think about you know the styles that you've drank before, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of emulate that in a way. So we want to make it dry enough, um, so it has that crispness, enough CO two that it has a little little carbonic acid bite to it, which kind of cleanses the palate and yep. dries it out, Refreshing. and gets ready for another mm-hmm. sip. And then just enough bitterness to make you want to come back to it, right? To so dry it's not the too palate. sweet. Yeah, not yeah. too sweet, not too bitter. How many iterations did it take for you to figure out this uh, perfect recipe? This is the original recipe, wow. first one that we brewed. Nice. Um, and it's called just German Lager. Uh, it's Stoops German style Pilsner. Stoops German Stoops. <laughs> You've only had one sip of beer. Well, yeah, but uh, this is you know um, it's Saturday night, bro. I got a pre funk. I got it warmed up for this thing. This is heavy duty, um, so fun. And is this on tap on on several uh, on handles around town? Yeah, this is one of our core beers. So this is always on tap in the tap room, and then we have uh, a lot of accounts around town that'll have it also. So you actually import the malt. Yeah, so there's a company that brings the malt in from Bomberg, Germany, and then we buy it from them. And the same thing with the hop. We use a hop broker in Yakima, uh, um, YCH hops. you got to call it the Bomberg, man. It's the Bomberg. But if it's Bomberg, those are Rausch beers. It has to have some smoke. Oh, some smoke, right. Yeah, Yeah, Rausch beers. Uh, I had a boss named Rausch one time. (laughs) Um, This is really delicious. And what's the ABV? This is 4.7? About 5.2, So still in that that sessionable range. Well, I mean, I remember when Budweiser went to 5%, like that was a big deal for, for you know, it was for them because they realized that, uh, you know, Americans are a hardy, a hardy breed. <laughs> we put on some weight over the last 20 years and it takes a little more ABV to uh, keep that uh, that happiness going. Um, but of course, it's all about moderation. And uh, speaking with Brad Benson, who is the head brewer and director of brewing operations, you employ 12 people. You have a big uh, tasting room down there on uh, 52nd and 11th. Correct. All right. Um, of course, you want, you can put, pitch your tent and uh, you can wake up first thing in the morning and, and head in and uh, maybe sweep the floors for a little for a little brewski. But we got three more beers and we're going to talk about Stoop Brewing right here. Stick around, folks. Uh, we got empty glasses and full beers to taste right here on Happy Hour Radio. loud he's proud holding nothing back michael savage the savage nation weeknights nine to midnight talk radio 570 kvi now more kvi want to know weekends back to happy hour radio with christopher chan all right folks hey happy saturday night hope you're enjoying this beautiful weather we have in uh uh, the midst of summer, uh, July's coming, so I know that uh, we're going to get uh, our, our bathing suits on, or maybe not. <laughs> get the picnic blanket, get the uh, charcuterie, the cheese, perhaps some wine, but more importantly, beer. And uh, I've got Brad Benson, who is the chief operating officer for beer uh, for beer direction over at Stoop Brewing in Ballard. And uh, we've got a new can called a Crowler. How big is the Crowler? 32 ounces. 32 ounces. All right. Um, so th- th- that's typically called that a quart, right? 
Exactly, or two pints. Two pints. Yeah, it sounds like more. Oh, I got two pints of beer. (laughs) Hey, that's that's fun. It means you can share it. That's a shareable pour. Um, You have a. uh, We just had the German style lager, right? Correct. Which I want. Things you call the Bomberg. I know. We'll we'll talk. We'll put that in committee and see if we're going to change that. Okay. Next beer up. Uh, This is our Citra IPA. All right. So it's a little bit lighter ABV and bitterness from some other IPAs. It's really meant to be drinkable. Okay. Good. Right. Um, Not a. Beer de meditazione, they call it in Italy, where you have to meditation. It's a meditation beer. Now, this is something you can drink right away. You can can appreciate its complexity. All right. Oh, there we go. Ah, This is awesome. This is how it's done. And then we should do this in in the studio. (laughs) We need some more minions here. He'll help us drink this 32-ounce crowler. I brought a couple extras for you. All right. Perfect. Um a little bit of haze. Is haze something that takes place uh, naturally and, and people have to... I remember seeing the Coors Light uh, commercial or Bud... Um, uh, was it uh, something for clarity? Filtered for clarity. Like, yeah, okay. Oh, cold filtered for clarity and brilliance. Yeah, I understand what that means because who wants to filter warm beer, right? <laughs> it bubbles. Um, yeah, uh, we need to get your mic on right there. Boom. You on? Yep. All right, there we go. Right. Uh, so... Um, do you filter most of the beers, or this unfiltered? This is unfiltered. Really, we only filter a couple beers, and that's because of tradition. So the German Pilsner we filter because we do like it to be brilliant and bright. Yeah. Um, but that haze is usually a, a protein polyphenol complex. Mm-hmm. And, um, mean flavor. It's flavor. Yeah, it is. It can be well, sometimes aroma. too much. Right, so we'll call it. Our brain <laughs> says it's, it's flavor. Yes, it can. And I know that, um, did, you, did you ever make a huge hop monster beer back in the day? I mean, when you're home brewing, did you try to go, like, let's just go big let's, go home? Let's make it undrinkable? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you have to. You have to see where the edges are. Well, I think uh, I think I made a couple undrinkable beers on accident. <laughs> I remember sticking a big old batch out in the sun, and it was just boiling away. Like, wow, that's cool. Boy, boy, that had so many fusel alcohols and it. it was just not tasty. Um, what, a, what a way to throw $30 down the drain. Um, this is hitting that spot. I mean, I, I like hops. I like hops in moderation. I like hops as a condiment to the uh, the palate of the malt. And um, what I do like hops is really a, with a very malty beer, I like that hop finish because I think that balances the sweet and what we'll call the savory, if you will. Uh, this is nice and light. This is um, very pleasant. Pleasant. It's not fatiguing, but you get just enough hop character versus some of the malt character, which I got on the first beer, which made it more interesting. Of course, you get some hollow tower hops, I think you said, or something in there. Yep. Um, but this one, what are the hops you said? Uh, these are mainly citra hops, <clears throat> which are grown in the Pacific Northwest down right. in Macaw, mainly. And that's a relative, what, it's like, is that seven, eight-year-old hop? Is probably right old? around there, yeah. It was just, probably it only been out a couple of years before we opened. Yeah, and I'm curious. I know that Washington State uh, University does a lot of viticulture stuff. Uh, do they do brewing? Are they working on different hop species? I mean, who's in charge of hops out there? Well, there's there's public breeding programs and private ones. Okay. So there is, Wazoo still does have a breeding program, and it's the public program. So if you look at, like, Cascade, um, Centennial, Chinook, those are public hops. Anyone can grow them and harvest them and sell them. But then you have Oh, the, I see. Public domain, right? Yep. Then you have the private ones that there is actually a company that's breed, crop breeding and trying to sample them, and that's where you get hops like Citra and Mosaic sure. all belong to one particular company. Have you been to the brew uh, brew festival or the brew um, – uh, it was in Portland last year, two years ago, the Home Brewers Association. Do you ever go to those things? Oh, yeah. We, we were asked to bring some beer down last year, but we didn't get a chance to, to pull that off. So it's been a while since I've been to a home brew conference. Really fun to see how many different ingredients there are, how many purveyors there are, and how many. And in fact, some of these brew clubs 
were really, really tasty beers. I was like blown away, um, you know. And it's it's always nice to have something that you you don't t- you're not unfamiliar with, and then um, and really be surprised. And uh, this is delicious beer. These are available on tap, uh, and you are available at Ryan House, right? Yeah, Ryan House is one of our better accounts, and uh, we love working with those guys. They usually they'll take the German style stuff that we do, but also slip in an IPA every once in a while. Oh, interesting! I didn't know they were totally Bavarian. I mean, I get it. Yeah, I think the the theme is obviously Bavarian with the food and the big arching wood piers and everything, which yeah. is amazing. I don't know where the bocce fits in, but I love it. <laughs> I think it's an international game. <laughs> Probably it, yeah. <laughs> Bulls. Uh, yeah, I think it's because they did it in Italy. Bocce is Italian, and yep. so the northern Italians, right, up there in Trenta, Trentino and Alto Adige and Valdosta, they had the Austrians and, of course, Bavaria. And they had, you know, all this. I was reading about this, studying, you know, for the Master Summit exam. Uh, anyway, delicious beers. We had the German beer, and this one, again, is called the... Citra IPA. Citra IPA. All right, you got two growlers here, which are the screw-top ones. Definitely resealable. Yes, but still the beer oxidizes, so you can't really... You, it's best to have friends if you're not going to drink it all that night. <laughs> you make a decision to call your friends, and you say... That's all right. I when, can handle this. Yeah, you once you me. pour that pint out, then the other pint in there is air, and that's basically the enemy of fresh beer. So even uh, if you put it in the fridge, you really have limited time before right. it starts going Well, bad. I don't know if we can drink them all in the next few minutes, but let's give it a <laughs> shot. <laughs> all right. <laughs> in moderation. What's this one called? All right, so this one is our- The Barbie Budget? <clears throat> Barbie Budget Camper. This one's in honor of uh, Pride. <laughs> Pride Week? Pride Week. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Pride, um- uh, there's a winery called Pride Winery down in California. Uh, they should be doing a rainbow beer, uh, rainbow wine. Um, but Barbie Budget Camper, here you go. I don't think growlers have quite as much uh, radio effect appeal, do no, they? No, not as good panache for a, for a growler. It doesn't pop like a can. Um, I see ABV, which I know, uh, alcohol by volume. IBU, which is International Bittering Units. And SRM, I don't know that one. That's Standard Reference Method, and it's actually a measurement of color. So oh. if you're looking at two or three SRM, you're probably in the Pilsner range. If you're in the 30s, 40s, 50s, your porters or stouts. Now, do uh, the IBUs, are, is that an infinity level? Is that like uh, Scoville units where you can go to a million plus? No, and it's really not a good measurement of business. It only goes to 100 um, is the actual maximum because it measures a particular compound, and it's not soluble over 100 milligrams per liter. Oh. But it also really doesn't. It, it was an analysis that was good for um, mainstream um beers in which you didn't have dry hopping techniques and things like that. Once you start throwing hops and get beta acids and soft acids and hard acids and all these other things in the beer, it messes up the analysis. So it's just kind of for the consumer a rough idea of this is a bitter beer or not a bitter beer. Well, let's talk about alpha acids All right. and beta acids. I mean, alpha is A, beta is B. Um, alpha is the more stringent acidity, which is the... Tell me about it. I don't know. I haven't studied that. Well, the the alpha acids are the ones that the brewers are looking for for bittering quality. Bittering. And so they're actually not soluble in liquid unless they're isomerized, which is why you have to boil them. So actually the molecular structure of the alpha acids will change to isoalpha acids or isomerized alpha acids, and then they're soluble and can stay in the beer. Otherwise, they just precipitate out. Interesting. Which which is part of the boiling process. I mean, you couldn't really have a bitter beer without... Without this, I get that of the hops. part. Yeah, okay, but to precipitate out, which means if you just dry hopped it during the word, I mean, you had it sit there, right? I guess dry hopping is really aroma anyway, so it's not that it doesn't work. Yeah, well, there's all other types of oils and terpenes and things that are present in the hop itself that that will boil off if you put it in the kettle. So in dry hopping, you have these other compounds that will 
stay water soluble or beer soluble, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are the oils, and there's compounds like like limonene, smells like limes, lemonine, um, pinene, all these uh, terpenes that have smells that, the, I mean, the word kind of tells you what they are, right? Pinene smells like pine, and limonene smells like lime. There's no pine saw one, though, is there? No pine saw, <laughs> but there are some hops that are pretty piney. A little, yes. too, little too much, and it will get, like, chewing on some pine needles. Well, I'm curious because uh, I understand that this vine is uh, relative of cannabis. Is that right? It is. They are related, and um, they're actually classified as a bine, not a vine. A bine? Yes, so instead of just vining up randomly, they actually twist in a counterclockwise uh, motion up the, and they usually will uh, they'll have twine that they that they go up in the fields. Right. I've, okay. So, but in Australia, do they go the other way? God, I want to say yes, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know they're growing uh, hops down there yet. Of course, with global warming, who knows? Um, and you know, Washington State is blessed with with just some of the perfect agriculture, the perfect soils, and of course, great sunlight, heat, water, and people of the farming tradition. We owe a lot to uh, having the accessibility to great craft beers for people uh, who homesteaded Washington State um, 150 years ago. Yeah, we've met farmers down there that are fourth or fifth generation, and their you know great 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 grandfather and grandmother came down there and homesteaded and started with you know brought hops with them or corn or barley or produce or whatever else that they were doing. A lot of those farms are diverse too. They'll have sure. apple orchard and they'll do hops. Or yeah, yeah, because like uh, you can't be a one crop farmer unless you, unless you're getting subsidies from the government. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's hard, and a lot of the the uh, the hop growers were really beholden to the big brewers that could really. If they decided we're not going to take a particular hop anymore, you had to you had to pull it all out and plant something different. Interesting. Of course, those those were decisions based uh, from Rainier Brewery and Heidelberg and Olympia and uh, Weinhards and Blatz and Schlitz. Um, I got Brad Benson here. We've got some more beer, and I'm just digging the fact that he's a chemist, uh, the head brewer and uh, director of brewing operations over at Stoop Brewing, 11th and 52nd Avenue East. Is that right? West. West. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find it. Check it out. What's your website? Uh, stoopbrewing.com. All right, folks, stick around. I got some more beer and some more fun right here on Happy Hour Radio. Tune it in and turn it up. Cruise home with Kirby, the Kirby Wilbur Show, live and local, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m., KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, folks. Hey, happy Saturday night. Uh, welcome back. Uh, time for round three, and uh, I'm on my third beer, doing pretty good. Got Brad Benson, the director of uh, brewing operations over at Stoop Brewing, and the head brewer. Uh, we've tasted some really delicious beers. Um, I'm quite impressed. In fact, uh, I think that German uh, style lager is really out of this world. Do you enter the brew competitions? Uh, we do. There's a few we do. Um, the World Beer Cup, the Best of Craft, uh, the Washington Beer Awards, of course, which is a great one where all the local breweries are entering into. Isn't that in July, too? Isn't that a Redmond? Or... It is, yeah. It, that's coming up in a couple of weeks now. It's on Father's Day every year. Uh, oh, yes. Well, so, so we'll, look up, we'll look forward to <laughs> next year. Uh, that's the beauty of radio. Um, all right, so we tried the German-style lager, the Citra IPA, and the third beer was the um, Barbie... 
budget camper IPA. All right. So um, for those of you who uh, you know have children and uh, actually watch Saturday cartoons, if they still run those, you'll see the Barbie ads and the budget camper. Barbie had a camper. Where's Ken? No Ken in this one. <laughs> no yeah. Ken in this one. And uh, yeah, it's Barbarella is what I'm looking for. Really, um, pretty fun. Uh, tasty. Again, the hops here are. Uh, we've got Mosaic, which mm-hmm. actually come from uh, from Yakima again, and then Galaxy Hops, which come from uh, Australia. Oh, so, okay. So there are Australian hops. And New Zealand, too. Okay, so you got to ask them if it goes the other way. Cause I, you said, as soon as we're done, I'm going to That's I'm pretty funny. Um, and you called it a bind. And what that's based on what? Just the fact that it twists differently? Yeah, so a vine just grows randomly up on something, right? Like ivy is a bind. Or a vine, I'm sorry. But a vine actually twists. Like Morning Glory up. is a vine. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and it goes everywhere. You're yeah. right. But it twists up, too. They, Those guys, what are they trying to get to? They're trying to get to the sun? Trying to get to the sun. It's like renewal, Logan's Run. Yeah, and these hops will grow in the prime time in Yakima. Some varieties can go close to a foot a day. Uh, interesting. Much like asparagus. If you all recall, they had asparagus uh, segment we had a uh, show we had a couple weeks ago. Um 10, 12 inches a day, which, you know, should be sponsored by La Vitra or something, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, getting a little silly here in Happy Hour Radio. All right, we have one more growler to taste, but before we get there, tell me, alpha acids are the acids that people want for bitterness. What are beta acids? Beta acids are also known as uh, hard acids, so they contribute flavor, but not um, they're not the traditional bitterness that you're looking for, and they're not they don't simmerize and stay soluble in the beer as long. Interesting. So, uh, of course, the palate can taste, recognize sour, sweet, salty, bitter, and umami, meaning garlic or soy sauce, something kind of savory, mushroomy, which you can't really describe. Um, and we think about, are there different expressions of bitterness, right? Because I think there can be, like, uh, what, syrup of, syrup of epicic was like a bitter, very, uh, and the tannin, like, uh, tea bag can be very bitter. Um, of course, hops can be very bitter. And when you chew on a, a, a stem, it's going to be very bitter. Yep. When you think about, when you get these hops, are they are they tested for bitterness? Do you get a, Do you understand what, uh, do they vary on vintage, so to speak? Or is it hoppage? I don't know what you call yeah, it. It's, year for... it's an agricultural crop, so they're, they're different every year. Uh, but yeah, we get a full spec sheet of what the alpha acids are, total oils, even a breakdown of some of the terpenes, like, to get us an idea of, you know, is there a lot of pining? Is it is it really piney? Yeah, is it terpene more is also um, uh, inherent in cannabis. Uh, and when you think about, is there a freshness date? Is there a born-on date for hops? Do you, is there a time you want to use it within, or can it be sealed like coffee, basically? You know, you can keep it for in those hermetically sealed bags or whatever. Yeah, they come usually, if you're using pellets, sealed and a nitrogen-flushed bag, and you want to keep them as cold as possible because oxygen is the enemy of hops, so they'll start to start to degrade. Um, That's interesting because I know that uh, in the wine world, we talk about putting wine in a freezer, wine in a refrigerator. The colder a a product is, the more dissolved gas it can accept. Isn't that right? And that's why nitrogen, liquid nitrogen is basically cold gas. Yeah, and it's definitely the case if you think about bubbles in your beer too. When we, the the colder the beer, the more soluble the CO2 is. Um, So like trying to carbonate a beer when it's warm doesn't work very well. It's got to be, preferably you want it right around its freezing point. Can you just put it in that soda stream thing and go give it a jack? <laughs> it will foam. I've tried. It doesn't <laughs> work very tried. well. I've made my own rosé, actually, uh, sparkling rosé from that, and it was okay, but I just didn't know how to use the darn thing, and it just made a big mess. All right, one more beer, uh, f- courtesy of Brad Benson, uh, the uh, chief brewing operator. <laughs> I'm going to change your title here. 
this one is our robust porter. Uh, robusto. Excellent. Look at that color. Can you see that color, listeners? Oh, it's it's really a it's a deep mahogany. Uh, I want that theme from mahogany. We need to play right now. Look at that. That is. All right, so from a color perspective, um, SMR, right? SRMs, yep. SRM. This one's a 34, and the Pilsner was like a 30. On a scale of 100? Well, once you get past about 40, you can't see through it, and it's hard to tell with your eye, but it's also an indicator of maybe more roasted grain. So you could have a beer that looks as a 40 that looks as dark as a 60, but the 60 might have more roasted barley and might have more of an acrid, burnt, roasted kind of flavor to it. So color is just color. Doesn't doesn't mention flavor. Like because Guinness Stout, right? Guinness is dark, but it doesn't taste too burnt. It tastes pretty light. Sex of these oatmeal or something. Uh, they use roasted barley's where the color usually comes from. Mm. Um, this so. smells. This reminds me of um, uh, buckwheat. It smells like uh, Japanese soba noodles. It has. I mean, there's a diverse amount of malts in here: crystal malts, chocolate malts, um, roasted um, wheat, some a little bit of rye, things like that. Interesting. When I was home brewing, they used something called uh, there's called pale otter, but um, eighty pound crystal. When these use mm-hmm. the term eighty pound, all I think of is like paper. Well, it, usually it's an L for love a bond. So eighty love a bond or sixty love a bond. So that's a color scale oh. for the malt. Oh, I see. Oh, it wasn't pound. <laughs> Too funny. I'm learning something. Uh, it, this is good. I can remember that now. I can use that for the message. Somebody exam. Um, so Love a Bond, that's, that's part, is that different than SMR? Love a Bond is a color scale uh, that the malting industry SRM. uses to, to look at malt color. And SRM is what the brewing industry uses to look at the finished beer, what the I color see. is. All right. Is, is there something lost in translation? If you boil it more, do you lose color? If it's if it's a slow, I mean, does it precipitate out like in wine? You would get some color loss. Uh, no, these the the color in beer is typically very stable. Um, if you boil it longer, you may get more color, but from something different, more from malleable reactions, from caramelization happening in the kettle since you're boiling. So you could actually darken a beer by boiling it too long. Sure, like you would boil down um, balsamic vinegar. Or just, yeah, I yep, get that. Exactly. Uh, this is really delicious, um, and it reminds me of Guinness in, in that it's not a heavyweight beer. It, it's definitely moderate weight on the palate. Um, the roastiness is is prevalent. It, it's on the attack on the aroma. It goes through the palate. It's slightly bitter, but it's it's really that roasty. It's not coffee. I mean, I guess you could say coffee because that's what we know. Um, but it's really a roasted saba or something. To me, it's got ro- not that saba's macro, but I'm thinking soba. That's what I want to say. Nice. Yeah. yeah. What's the What's the ABV here? Uh, this one's right around six. Oh, perfect. <laughs> You're speaking of my <laughs> well, language. Well, we started light and we're moving up into the heavier ones. I as like we go. that. Yes. Uh, um, and how many beers do you produce at Stoop? We have five core beers that are on all the time, but over the last five years, we've probably done. 200, 300 different beers. Really? So that's part of what we love is not just making the same beer all the time, but we're kind of like beer history. Like, what's a Kolsch? Why did, why did that beer develop in Cologne? Like, what's wh- why is it here? I'm trying to remember, because that was a late fermenting uh, beer that started in the fall and finished in the spring. No, I don't know. No. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, sounding good. Um, congratulations, man! It's good to meet you, and I, I dig that you're a chemistry guy because I kind of got those questions, and um, you know, I, I ask those questions because I want to know, and I think it's it's really interesting to have someone who actually studied who can describe can describe it and, and and give me the definition of that stuff. Do you have tap handles for those 200 beers you made? 
Did you have names for them all? No, we were very clever when we started that uh, our main tap handle, it just says stoop on it. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of interchangeable for whatever style we have uh, out. But yeah, in the yeah. tap room, we'll, we'll cut different ones that might say, um, you know, you might say double IPA or Weizen Doppelbach or something like that. Weizen Doppelbach. Mm -hmm. And so um, just for the, for the record, a Bach beer is a beer brewed in October? No, a Bach beer in Germany, it's, it has to be of a certain strength, a certain starting gravity. I see. Great. And, and then a double buck and triple buck yep. or a tripel, as they call them, right? Yeah, I don't think the Germans have, I mean, the Germans have laws about beer. You have sure. to be really careful. Reinheitsgebot. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got that part, which is cool. Um, congratulations. Uh, Astute Brewing, you got some great product. Five, six years. It'll be six in October. Six years, October. And uh, do you bake a pumpkin beer? No. <laughs> All right, so you won't see him at the Great Pumpkin Brew Fest, which is cool. But you can find him down 11th and 52nd West, Avenue West in Ballard. Uh, the tasting room's open. Uh, you can get tasters, pints, and uh, growlers, So, or a crowler. Hey, Brad Benson, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you, Chris. This has been great. Really good stuff. Again, your website? Stoopbrewing.com. It's that easy, folks. Uh, well, hey, buddy. Cheers. Cheers. Separated by 20 years and a full head of hair. Mark Lee and Van Camp. Weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570. KVI. KVI. Want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right. Hey, welcome back to our fourth and final segment. Hope you enjoyed uh, Belly Full of Brewskis with Stu Brewing. And uh, if you're not into beer, but you do like uh, something in a pint, you have to check out uh, Cider Week. It's Oregon Cider Week. Uh, now through the 30th of June, and they've got so much going on. If you want to run down to Portland and, or of course, here in Washington State, um, you know, on the West Coast, there are probably a hundred different cideries, it seems, uh, producing, you know, from Vancouver, British Columbia, B.C., of course, Washington State. There's some in Idaho and, this, of course, Oregon and then Northern California. So the West Coast is full of apples. When you think of Johnny Appleseed, um, we think about Golden Delicious and Red Delicious, but he was actually... Helping plant um, heirloom varieties, which were bitter sharps and bitter sweets. Uh, sharps had uh, a little more tannin. The sweets had a little more sugar, um, but they also were just not really good for eating unless you added a lot of sugar because they just had that bitterness. But they did have enough sugar to ferment into alcohol, but also the skins and the tannins and the esters and cogeners and aldehydes and things gave it, those ciders a lot of flavor. Of course, it's not only cider, it's also perry. Uh, there's lots going on. Um, here's something. Did you know that almost two dozen cideries have opened up in Oregon in the last two years? That's like one a month, if you will. So lots going on. Uh, you can get discounts on tastings. They have a great um, grand tasting. Uh, it's OregonCiderWeek.com, um, presented by New Seasons Market. And it should be a lot of fun. I dig cider. Uh, you know, it's getting better and better Sometimes it, I really enjoy a simple, you know, nondescript, um, semi-sweet cider because, A, it's refreshing. 
Uh, B, it's gluten-free. Um, C, it doesn't have any hops typically because there are hop ciders, but this this is more refreshing. And I know when I when I travel a lot and head to SeaTac, the uh, Alaska Airport Lounge or the Alaska Airlines Lounge, uh, if you've been fortunate enough to get in there, they have uh, some cider on tap is one of their offerings. And of course, a couple beers. And I uh, always love those Bloody Marys. That's right. But anyway, OregonCiderWeek.com. Check it out. Um, I was uh, just off to celebrate Walla Walla, and uh, really a fun time. Uh, this was a chance to celebrate the world of Cabernet Sauvignon. We tasted wines from, of course, Washington, California, and the uh, winemaker from Frescobaldi in Tuscany. Um, very, very uh, prestigious estate. I've uh, done lots of fantastic wines, both uh, Bulgaria or Bulgari, uh, Super Tuscans, and then, of course, uh, Chianti Classicos and um, some... Pinot Nero's out of Pomino. They have a huge lineup. He makes 65 different wines. The guy studied in Bordeaux. Uh, I have an interview with him coming up, and we'll get that posted to happyhourradio.net and, of course, on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, You can always follow us. Uh, We just now have um, almost 300 uh, shows, which is really fun. Because uh, I get to travel and I get to put them up real quick and you get to have a little entertainment when you're driving or on Sirius FM. Or, I don't know. You just get uh, that, that Wi-Fi going in your car. Uh, but really, Washington Cabernet really surprised me. You know, for the Seattle Wine Awards, we host something called the Diamond of the Decade. And that's a a wine from 10 years ago. So we'll taste um, a wine from a vintage or from a decade earlier. And so this last April, we had wines from 2009. And lo and behold, Washington wines do age well. Uh, of course, if they're meant to age and they have the stuffing, the tannin, the acidity, of course, alcohol. Um, but it's it's really fun to taste um, older wines, A, that go back from 1999. We had a Woodward Canyon uh, State Red, or was it the Reserve Red? Uh, that was beautifully Bordelais. It had some of that, um, you know, it was a cooler vintage, so you got some of the more uh, thyme, tobacco, aromatics, uh, along with the black fruit in the uh, Cabernet and Cabernet Franc that went in there. Uh, 2002, 2003, um, hot vintage and a cool or a moderate vintage, 2002. Those wines were um, well-balanced. That was from Barron's Winery. I think some of the, the best fun is really that they're not in your own cellar. You can buy a ticket. You can have another taste. And uh, they're not pouring your corked wines. I've had a few bottles that we all have, I'm sure. Pulled that cork and been disappointed because you, you get that TCA note. Um, but here's an unheralded vintage that I think has been very under overlooked. Um, 2007. Now, it's interesting. 2007 was really... Uh, 2005 was kind of one of our new vintages of the decade at that time. 2006 was was good. 2007 kind of got lost because everyone's the downturn started happening and and then uh, everything slowed up. We had vintages backing up. And so no one's out there selling 07, 08. And then when you think about 2009 came out really in 2011, 2012... So um, those vintages were kind of overlooked. But what's interesting is that we had this abundance of Syrah, thanks to the Wine Spectator putting Washington State on the cover, saying we're the next best place for Syrah. We were growing Syrah, thanks to David Lake, Red Willow, but we didn't quite know what to do with it. And when the downturn happened, uh, having a, an educa- uneducated Syrah winemaking industry here and a consumer who wasn't interested in Syrah, and plus they were being over-oaked and too much too expensive, uh, anyway, we started blending Syrah, and I was surprised to taste some of the Cabernet Sauvignons that had a little bit of Syrah in it, which, but it goes well. Anyway, Celebrate Walla Walla. It's a great event. comes every year in June. 
Hope to see you out there sometime. Uh, we have a website. It's happyhourradio.net. Follow us on Twitter, Happy HR Radio. And remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers. Cheers.